This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Let's bring in Prince Olani Kiva into the conversation because, of course, there's a big, massive announcement that's just been made around that particular aspect of uh, the Izinduna around, particularly KZN also. And um, I'm not sure if it's a moment to celebrate or just the beginning of a moment to celebrate because obviously what's happened in the province also is there's an amount of six mil- 631 million which has been set aside by National Treasury to settle the back payment of provincial chiefs and headmen in the 2023-2024 financial budget. And uh, that conversation has been happening since 2013-2014, when, of course, former President Jacob Zuma uh, decreed and, and suggested and made it, you know, applicable that, of course, Izinduna and Herzman be paid uh, from, of course, the, the fiscus for the kind of work that they do. Let me bring in Prunzolani Mkiva into the conversation. Prince Zulani uh, Mkiva, the, the question that I... Welcome to Power 98.7, sir. How are you? Uh, man of power, <laughs> good evening to you and good evening to the power listeners. Thank you for having me. I'm doing okay. Thank you so much, Prince. L- let me ask you this. Um, the, the, the number of... Because I've seen it, and yes, I think for for one, one reads it as a positive, 631 million rand made available to... Uh, you know, in back pay. This is not even to, to, to begin to talk about the duties that and current duties that are happening. This is just a legacy issue. Am I correct if I am assuming here that this is something that should have been done long ago? You would agree to that. The other aspect is, is that there's a lot of issues still on the table uh, regarding the Izinduna and that they would still, uh, you know, want to negotiate with government around. And so this phase where government has come to the table and presented the back pay, in essence, is the beginning of a conversation that you still want to have with government. Yes, let me start off by saying that, yes, indeed, the decision in itself is a milestone, uh, in the sense that it ushers new, it ushers in a new era, yeah. which begins to at least deal with one of the most pertinent things, wherein the Isinduna from KZN were not being compensated for the mm. public service mm. that they do for their communities mm. for many, many, many years. Yeah, actually, their issue of non-compensation, uh, we we can trace it back from the new dispensation. From 1994. The the dispensation. Yeah. Yes. Mm. So if you look at that and you say that there are counterparts elsewhere in the country, remember that we are not a federal state, mm. we are a unitary state. So if they were not being compensated and yet their counterparts, their colleagues elsewhere, were being compensated for the same thing that they do. So it was um, a, a, a discrimination of a special type. Mm. And, and that is informed by a historical reality that when we crossed the Rubicon into the new South Africa, mm. we were in a process of integrating a country that has been divided in terms of many aspects, besides the racial discrimination, but administratively, there were those people who were located in areas which were called TPVC states, mm. 
and there were those that were located in areas which were called self-governing territories, mm. and those that were in the actual apartheid uh, South African map. Mm. So when we were integrating, there were different approaches. So the process took longer. Mm. Uh, it was further exacerbated by complications which flow from the politics of the new era. Mm. You had seven provinces under the leadership or under the stewardship of the governing party, which is the ANC. Uh, the, the KZN was governed by the IFP. Mm. The Western Cape was governed by the NETS, the National Party. Mm. So <clears throat> that on its own was a, was a very, very difficult scenario because we were still trying to de-balkanize our country. Mm, mm. Uh, so they were left out on that basis. So it might have been an oversight from the national instrument to look through and ensure that everybody who is a traditional leader of a particular level should be treated you know, on equal basis. Mm. So it didn't happen with traditional leadership. So the, this is an, an issue of oversight sure, uh, and, and a failure to pay attention to detail. Because if you were to compare that, even though uh, traditional leaders were, were being uh, treated in this way where there's no uniformity, mm. but when you look into the other spheres of leadership, mm. all MECs had the same salary, the same package. Mm. All speakers of the provinces had the same salary and same benefits. Mm. But when it comes to traditional leadership, you had these disparities where there was no standardization and uniformity. And it took long to resolve it. Mm. And it is us as Contralesa... There's, been a, lot of, there's been a lot of back and forth. Mm. Yes, we're engaging the ANC inside out. We're engaging government directly, the head of state, uh, the minister responsible for traditional leadership, so for many, many years, uh, you will recall that at some point we even threatened to take the government to court because we knew that it was illegal and unconstitutional mm. for things like this to happen in a unitary state. Would you, would you, would you we say... We are all mm. equal. We are all equal before the law. Would you say it came to a head in the last local government elections where you also, you know, uh, there was a threat in essence uh, to, to disrupt that particular process as well? Because, you know, um, you, you just, I, you, you, you're suggesting that, you, you know, you even threatened to take government to court. But there was a real threat, you know, I think was uh, for, the, for the last local government elections that, that, that suggested also, you know, that government begin to look at this seriously because, uh, you had begun to say, well, if you want to, if you want to have elections and you want to have peaceful elections and all the likes, not that you were threatening violence, it was just that you won't, you will not get our our cooperation if you do not put this seriously on the table. Well, let me take you a bit, even 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 uh, back in terms of that. In 1999, we 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 told the government that the elections will not go ahead without the matters that we are raising mm. are being raised, mm. are being attended to. And we successfully persuaded persuaded mm. the, the government to postpone that election and come on the table mm. to talk with us. And then there was a commitment uh, by uh, 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 President Mbeki then that this matter will then be dealt with through a particular national support scheme Mm. which will be made available for traditional leadership. But all of those matters um, uh, did not really 
got implemented. And then we continued to pursue up to this point that you are referring to. Mm. Uh, for sure, uh, we, 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 we take time because we are a very patient leadership, because this is our country, we are custodians. And uh, we don't want a scenario where we can actually take the country into an, a state of anarchy. So mm. we take time, but we process issues and we try our level best to persuade other leadership through, you know, constructive ways, mm. uh, through logical way of uh, and constructively engaging. Mm. Uh, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm then saying that it is a moment of victory for our struggles and it, it is a step in the right direction. And we were saying today in the Imbizo that we called in Peter Marisbeck at Mkongunlo, was that this marks a point of celebration for us, but also to express appreciation that it has been done. But both and again, we're also encouraging government and the governing party to say things must not take this long to be resolved, mm. especially if it's clear. They're not opposed to it, but it's just a question of shifting the goalposts, you know, dilly-dallying mm. on clear matters that needs to be de- dealt with. A decision can always be taken and say, yes, we agree, we are convinced, but maybe at this point we do not have a budget. Let's work together and mm. see where we can find money for this so that it, it gets costed and it gets budgeted for uh, systematically. Let me let me understand the, the historical component of this. So, fr- so in 2013, uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's a recommendation by the Independent Commission for the Remuneration of Office Bearers. Right, yes. that the Isinduna also be paid a stipend from the government, like all other yes. public office bearers. So that's in 2013. In yeah. February of 2014, I think Jacob Zuma then proclaims the recommendations, uh, and and he proclaims that they be gazetted and that the remuneration now uh, be backdated. But but the Isinduna only begin to re- receive a, a a stipend in 2017. Some of them. Some of them, of them, yes. yes. And, and so what we're talking about here now is a period, and, and help me, is it the period between the 2013, 2014, and 2017? And, and for the others that didn't then get, it would be a process of the entire period. Yeah, you know, it took long because government bureaucracy is, is, is quite a very tedious a process mm. it, it, it takes long to turn a corner mm. now because the indunas were not on the system they were not on PESAL, mm. there was no documentation then government undertook a, a journey of identification and verification mm. yeah it, it's not something that could take long because we do know that in kzn there is the traditional authority. So all of these Indunas, they fall within the traditional authority. So in KZN, we have about 300 of them, of these traditional communities, which are headed by senior traditional leaders. Mm. So the process took too long, one. And number two, that the issue of the money um, was actually looking scary in terms of how the government saw it. Mm. Because they said they will have to part with about 1.7 billion yeah. uh, to deal with that issue, mm. and they were thumb sucking at the point when this was said. Then, 
when they then went so that was government's that was government's number not 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 in any way controller's number no we have not yet went into the actual specifics of those numbers yeah this was their estimation based on the fact that uh, in other provinces uh, headmen are actually salaried at a particular level so Mm. when you take that amount of money that is paid on a headman mm. on an annual basis. It amounts to maybe just above 100,000. Mm. So if you then take it to KZN, you then count the number of Izindunas. So their estimate at face value mm. was that in KZN there will be more than 7,000 Indunas. Mm. And that was where they were inaccuracies because it, as I say, I would call it, it was thumb sucking. Mm. Uh, it was only when they then went in through that exercise, which was an easy exercise because uh, the, the, the areas of jurisdiction are quite clear. Mm. And it's traditionally, I can clearly say, is it good, is it good, and they, we have so many Izindunas. Mm. Mm. So it came out that actually the number of Izindunas were just below 4,000. Mm. It's yeah. not. It's not. It's not that. And I, and I don't want to say the role of the Izinduna was questioned. What, 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 was there at any point a conversation about you know what what kind of role that Izinduna then plays for the kind of stipend that the Izinduna get, or was it merely a financial issue all the time about government saying we just don't have the money and not really about questioning the 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 ultimate. Uh, decision by that that independent commission for the remuneration of office bearers uh, at at all there was there was no there was no question in in the role played by the Izinduna but rather it was a question of fi- financial. No, it was a question of perspectives. Actually, the politicians themselves were divided on the matter mm. uh, depending on which political party they came from. So when the debate ensued. There were those who felt uh, in some ranks that uh, uh, there was no point of paying these people. These mm. people should not really be on the payroll. Mm. This is a communal thing, mm. and it should not be linked to the state or the government. Mm. Uh, but there were those who were saying that these people play a key role mm. in actually administering the affairs of the people in in the villages. They are actually playing a very critical role in stabilizing, in ensuring that there is security, and also the access to social services is actually managed properly. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but there were also opposition parties that were of the different view, that this is a waste of money of people who work, mm. and their work is not uh, being uh, over, uh, there is no oversight over it, so you can't tell whether they do actually do what we are told that they mm. are doing, mm. or they were just people who are basking in the sun and getting the salary at the end of the day. Mm. There were all sorts of uh, such a ridiculous, uh, you know, arguments. Mm. But ultimately, uh, as I say, you can't treat traditional leaders of a particular rank elsewhere mm. uh, different from others. Mm. So mm. it was found that actually uh, there was a, a constitutional uh, you know, imperative that these people must get paid. Sure. And uh, we kept on, you know, um, and uh, uh, pushing the fight, you know, uh, putting pressure against government to do mm. this as controversial because it is our duty. These are servants of the people mm. who service uh, the ordinary people in the, in the in the villages. So we had to do that. So it's not just about the aggrandizement of. Mm. 
uh, the individual traditional leaders. This is about a community. This is about the people who live in a particular space who have leadership, and that leadership has to be compensated for the public good and the public service that they do. Mm. So at the end of the day, we think that uh, it's good that we are uh, at this point now. And the conversation does not end. It continues Mm. because there's a lot that... uh, uh, we need to deal with that relates to communities under the jurisdiction of traditional leaders, including issues of service delivery, including issues of infrastructure investment, mm. and the development of those areas. All of these are under the shoulders of the traditional mm. leaders, with Indunas included in that conversation. Is that conversation that last year, I think it was around July last year, that conversation where Controlesa was suggesting that governments stop uh, political meddling, and I thought, you know, that was the terminology used, political meddling in traditional affairs. Is that conversation over? Or, or are you, is that a conversation you are still happy? You are, and, and I bring that in, in, in light of what you have just said, you know, where, where, you know, there's a whole debate sometimes amongst political parties and then also how sometimes government perceives, you know, how these things actually roll out. And, and last year, particularly around, I think, June, July, I remember a point where Controlesa was saying, you know what, government, you, you need to stop meddling in, in the affairs of traditional affairs. Is that still a sticky point between you and government? And or have you, have you been able to find your way with, with government on that particular aspect? Well, it's a continuing, um, uh, it's a continuing conversation. It's a mm. continuing discussion. Because what is important is for traditional leadership and political leadership to be harmonized mm. in the best interest of the development of our country and the betterment of the lives of our people. Uh, because if we're going to be pulling this way and that way, it's mm. not helpful. Traditional leaders are a permanent feature of the state and government. They mm. don't have term of office. Their life term is their term of office. Mm. Wherein those that are elected are only elected for five years. So if a politician gets into office and starts to challenge a traditional leader, you will uh, lose out on time, you will lose out on resources and energy. And by the time you know mm. it, the five years is over. Yeah. So the most important is first to educate each other and actually conscientize the politician that you actually have a limited time. So you Mm. ought to focus on real issues that matter most. Mm. You need to prioritize uh, the items that you need to deal with when you are given time to serve. And it is a privilege for you to serve. Mm. It is not a right. Traditional leaders are born into leadership. Mm. They have a a custodianship uh, that goes from either from father to son or from mother to daughter. Uh, depending on the culture. But in the majority of cases in South Africa, it's a father-to-son issue. So it's important that even though the royal family sometimes have challenges, Mm. politicians must not, uh, uh, they must not really poke their noses on those matters. Mm. They can assist wherein they are requested to perhaps facilitate a process of mediation. Mm. But they must not take sides and begin to create an environment wherein they sectionalize these royal families. Mm. Everything needs to be done through precision, and it needs us to uphold a high regard for the traditional protocol and the heritage intelligence of our people. Mm. Uh, in, a, in a way wherein 
we mainstream the importance of of of, of the institution of traditional leaders as governed by mm. indigenous knowledge system, values and norms of Ubuntu, as well as the African laws and customs. Mm. It's very important, therefore, that we don't, um, you know, uh, complicate mm. um, uh, the, the, that space by bringing in uh, politics which uh, use ideologies that are borrowed elsewhere in the world. Mm. Uh, because that begins to contaminate and it will it will create a situation where we may be destroying a, a one of the oldest ancient institutions, which is a pride of Africa, mm. one of the only surviving instrument, which um, which managed to survive coloniality, uh, actually. So it's important that we make that clarion call mm. that whilst we appreciate that we have to coexist. But it is important not to play a role that could be detrimental to a point where we can erode a very important institution like this one. Prince Ulanim Kiva, I have to ask you, you know, with the time constraints that have happened uh, between 2013 and now, and that and that scheduled, you know, place of where some got paid, I think, in about 2017, there's, there's the practical element of some people would, would, would not be in the system anymore, but who would have served during the, that particular duration. There are people who would have passed on. How practically or are... You know, are you engaging those particular aspects? Uh, is everybody within the system during that particular period going to be looked at, even though you would have passed on the families and children of those people would have benefited? Without a doubt, that's a very important question. Mm. Without a doubt, uh, people who, between the period that has been uh, ring fenced, if I may put it that way, they will they stand all of them to benefit without mm. any discrimination. If a person has passed on by now, mm. then the, that entitlement will go to his family or her family. Mm. Uh, we have ensured that uh, we we take that into account. Uh, I know that in terms of the prioritization, because that that creates a, an avenue for another process to mm. to do further verification. So it, it would require us to start with those that are alive at least to, to do that payment. And that the process of payment has actually begun in NS. The first tranche has been paid. The second tranche goes out mm. this month. And, and then we'll then deal with that. But we have appealed to government to expedite this. Sure. So today, as we held that in Lizzo, in Peter Marisbeck, mm. the MEC for Cocta in KZN was there. The MEC for Finance was there. Mm. Uh, of course, she was also there in her capacity as the NEC member of the ANC. Mm. We had invited both the ANC as a government party in that province, as well as the leaders of government, so that that in Lizzo mm. is actually actually recorded uh, there's a record of understanding in terms of the deliberations that were mm. taking place there. Much as it was a platform of appreciation, but it was also a, a platform of progression of what needs to be happening going forward. So policy statements were made mm. and policy responses were actually undertaken. And we're going to follow through on those matters. And uh, the good thing is mm. that we found each other. We've agreed that these matters ought to be dealt with speed. Mm. And, you know, we take a view as Contralesa that we must not throw stones. We must be part of the management of the national question. Mm. When we push the leaders and pressurize them to do certain things, we do so in the best interest of actually 
creating efficiency in the work that they are expected to do. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, we help them realize the targets. Some of the targets that may have been overlooked in the ATP and the strategic objectives. So Contralesa, as a vanguard of the institution of traditional leadership, does not only work in the, in the sidelines. We take the center stage. If you don't bring us into the main mm. table, we bring ourselves to the main table because we believe that we have a right to be in the main table as the custodians of the sure. land of this country sure. and the traditions of our people. Prince Ulanim Kive, just in about a minute before I go to the news, that verification process that determines ultimately then that there's a there's a, a, a an amount of about six hundred and thirty million rand that will be paid, you know, in two tranches, uh, follows a verification process. Uh, obviously, government would have gone through a verification process. You would have also been part of that. In about a minute, before we go to the news, are you happy with that verification process, understanding that, you know, uh, some people didn't fall between the cracks and, and, and these are the people that need to be accounted for? Well, there, there, there are issues that we will attend to. Mm. On the overall, we are fine with what has happened, but we will have to audit that work to check that our people have actually received all what it is due to them. Mm. We can't take it at face value and leave it there. Mm. We have to look into the issue of how the taxation was also calculated, whether it took into account the different epochs mm. of the tax regimes, uh, you know, in the 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 in the, in the past years. So so that you don't use a tax regime that exists now mm. to actually reduce what is due to the people using an instrument of now instead of calculating in line with how the tax was sitting in 2013-2014, for Mm. example. So we will be paying attention to that detail. But before we go and put our hands into the actual calculator, we will ask them to give us a report and we'll ask those hard questions based on what I've just said. And then we take it from there going forward. But on the overall, we're happy that something has gone into... Uh, the pockets of the people that have been doing the work. At least it's a great relief mm. for now. And we're hopeful that in the process of doing work, sometimes mistakes happen. Those mistakes may be based on miscalculations or undercalculations, but for sure, uh, we will make a follow-through on this matter. Got you. Prince Ulanim Kive, I'm so thankful that you've joined us here tonight just to clarify some of these particular aspects because it's just been, you know, news that's just about, you know, coming to us um, in the last few days. So, and progress also uh, in the extent that it's actually not the last few days that are important. It's been happening since about 2013, 2014. Prince Ulanim Kive, thank you so much for joining me here on Power Perspective tonight. You're welcome. Thank you, my brother. All the best. Thank you. And of course, Contralesa National General Secretary also. That's Prince Solanim Kive. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.